the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, welcome, welcome, welcome on this August, on the Saturday, August the 7th, 2021. Welcome to our show, my friends. We've got a packed show for you as usual. Uh, Let me launch into it. Uh, Let me let you know who we've got, and then we can launch into our program. Uh, First of all, we've got our good friend Todd Bensman from the Center for Immigration Studies. He's got a new report, and my friends, it's going to kind of curl your hair. Then we've got uh, our good buddy uh, Mark Morgan, who uh, was the uh, who was the director of the uh, Customs and Border Protection uh, for the uh, under the Trump administration. Uh, he's now working for Fair. Uh, we, he's gonna he's gonna blow the top off off of you regarding what is uh, all these policies that the um, stupid policies that the uh, Biden administration has got. We then have Charlie Wilkinson. Charlie Wilkinson is the executive director of CLEAT, which is the um, uh, the combined law enforcement associations of Texas. Uh, they are the um, uh, representative arm of uh, a lot of uh, police organizations in, in uh, Austin, Texas. And I wanted to get him on because, my friends, I think it's important that, uh, that people understand how the defunding the police effort went on in wash in 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 austin we know that the austin uh, democrats that the uh, representatives ran off and uh, refused to deal with the voting uh issue with the voting bill uh however they did their best in austin to try to uh defund the police or to allow uh their uh their friends in in uh, urban areas to defund the police so uh, he's going to be chatting about the legislative session. Our final guest, and I really, really encourage you to listen, to stick around and listen to this. Our final guests are uh, several Texas sheriffs. Uh, they were they were here at the Texas Sheriff's Conference in San Antonio, and I uh, cornered several of them to talk to them about uh, how the border crisis is impacting on them. You'll want to hear this. So, without further ado, let's go to our first guest, my friends. Thank you for joining us. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 once again, my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio. And we've got our very good friend, Mr. Todd Benzman, from the Center for Immigration Studies. And I wanted to reach out to him because he's written another one of his very, very excellent articles as well as uh, in the article and uh, in other uh, news that we've been reading, we have been seeing the outrageous, I'll use that, num- that uh, word, the outrageous number of apprehensions that are uh, being recorded by the Border Patrol in one sector of, uh, of, of the uh, Border Patrol uh, on the border. And uh, Todd, welcome to the show this uh, seems to be going from wor- from bad to worse uh, in our border crisis, as well as there is a small glimmer of hope, but I'm not sure how much of a glimmer of hope it is, there is regarding the uh, uh, the Title 42 with with uh, the um, COVID restriction. But uh, you know who's being re- who's being uh, checked, who's not being checked, and uh, the number of people that are still being caught and released. Talk to us. Right. Well, the preliminary numbers are leaking out now for July apprehensions, which are uh, the best indication that we have of overall traffic. It doesn't necessarily reflect exact 
uh, numbers, but it tells us whether it's going up, sideways, or down. And the July preliminary numbers from CBP, uh, Customs and Border Protection, were 210,000 apprehensions, which is um, compared to June, which was uh, 188,000. So it's just stair-stepping upwards, ever upwards. And that's during a month, uh, two months, that should be reflecting lower numbers of apprehensions because it's hot. There are seasonal uh, ebbs and flows normally, but the fact that the numbers are that much higher show how powerful this surge is, uh, defying all physics. Uh, These numbers, George, are record-breaking. We haven't seen anything like, I mean, the June numbers broke uh, 20-year records. Uh, This one, I haven't figured out yet what the record is, but I think it might be 25 years or 22, 23 years since we've seen anything like that. Uh, These are going to be mostly single adults who try uh, to cross, get caught, and sent back and try again. So uh, some of these are can be counted, individuals can be counted two, three, four times each. Uh, But we had 80,000 family unit members uh, who crossed in, which means that's 80,000 in a single month that crossed in and were allowed in. Uh, Those will not be pushed back under Title 42. And we're averaging about 6,700 a day in July. 6,700 a day. Let that sink in. Uh, you know, that's an arena filled with people that's a, a, a larger than a lot of small towns. And 200,000 is a medium-sized city in one month. So um, we're past 1.3 million overall for the fiscal year, George. It's incredible. The, these numbers are mind-boggling. Uh, what I mean, again, how are we ever going to get the genie back into the bottle? How the heck are we ever going to deal with this many uh, illegal aliens that have entered the country who are being dispersed, and uh, how do we ever catch up with them to uh, deport them, to control them, to uh, keep them uh, you know, secured? I, I have no idea. I am not sure what we can do about this thing anymore. Well, you're right. The, the genie is out of the bottle, but it was let out of the bottle by the Biden administration on purpose. Uh, they, they signaled that they were going to do this long before they got into office, and then they immediately, like it was almost the very first thing they did, were promising an amnesty right off the bat. Uh, you know, look, immigrants, aspiring immigrants around the world are looking for cues as to whether they're going to be able to get into the country or not. And they were given every single cue, including action on the ground to open the the border. So they're coming. It's a massive flood of people coming to take advantage of that. Of course they would. Uh, There are signs, though, George, that the administration realizes that this is going to be a pretty big political liability in the elections coming up and maybe beyond uh, in the White House for the, the next White House race. And so they are starting to do a couple of things. Uh, they just announced that they are now re- deport, deporting immigrants by ICE air back to Central America. We haven't seen anything like that since Trump left office. They halted all of that. And now they resume those ICE air flights. Uh, not very many. Uh, and that's a promising thing because when immigrants in uh, Central America see that there's a chance that they could end up back on the tarmac and all their smuggling money that they spent went to waste. They might think two times, three times about trying, uh, but there are very few of those compared to how many are actually getting in. And there's no ice removal operations in the interior. That's the really big problem. Uh, you know, they, the Democrats were promising to abolish ice or calling to abolish ice, and they effectively have. Uh, immigration enforcement and removal operations have been largely suspended in the interior. So if you can get into the country, you get to stay in, and that is a very powerful enticement. And, you know, so once you're in, you're in for all practical purposes. Somebody's going to come get you. It's going to take a Republican administration to come get you. And even then, 
there'll be you know two, three, four, five million people in by then. Wow. It just, you know, I, I, I am, you know, it's very, very disheartening, not to mention aggravating, to see what this administration has done and to see the numbers not falling, but continuing to tick up every they're week. They're supposed to be falling. Uh, th- these are the summer months. Yeah, and they're not. I mean, they are going higher and higher with every uh, successive report that I keep, I keep seeing. And so, um, you know, where does it end? August. I mean, August is looking terrible already. We had, just the other day, a group of 1,000 cross in all together uh, down in the RGV, the Rio Grande Valley, uh, under the uh, the bridge down there, the Andalusia Bridge. And, you know, I had a CBP officer call me yesterday from, from Del Rio to tell me they had 600 Haitians cross all at once. Uh, just yesterday, I mean, they're they're very bold. The numbers are huge. These people, there's nowhere to keep them. There's no way to process them. They're just having to let them go. They're on streets. They're meandering and wandering around and running and hiding. And uh, half of them have COVID, or probably most of them, we don't know for sure, don't have COVID. Uh, it's just a it's a real mess. We're having car chases everywhere. Dangerous, you know, alien smugglers. You know, with, who, who are making a lot of money, uh, trying to get away from the cops and uh, bailouts, and it is just high drama all along the border down there. It's terrible. Uh, it, it just, it, it, it's very, very disturbing. Um, tell us about this one glimmer of hope uh, where they have uh, kept this COVID restriction. Yeah, so that's Title 42. Uh, Trump put that in place in March of 2020 to um, make sure that there was nobody uh, in detention centers that could, you know, be an inc- incubate, turn those into incubators for COVID. So they had to keep them clear and empty. And the only way to do that was to invoke this emergency pandemic health rule that allows for immediate expulsions of all illegal aliens that, that Border Patrol catches. Uh, the Biden administration has effectively exempted the family units and unaccompanied minors. So that's why we had 80,000 of uh, the family units come in in July and 20,000, which is a record-breaking, unaccompanied minors, 19,000 in July. The single, the Title 42 is still being applied to the single adults, but the Biden administration was under huge pressure from his Democratic base to remove Title 42 for the single adults, which was the last possible, uh, you know, block block uh, for for those, and uh, he was about to lift it. They had signaled that they were going to lift Title 42, and they changed their mind and extended it for another month. Oh boy, <laughs> you know. But the day that they do lift Title 42, uh, I mean, it's not going to go from bad to worse. It's going to go from catastrophic to you know, red zone nuclear meltdown at that point. Oh, incredible. Oh, buddy, I wish I had, I wish we had better news, but it just, you know, I mean, it's very, very difficult to uh, find a silver lining in this kind of situation. Yeah, you know, I just came back from a speaking engagement and, you know, people came up to me afterwards just saying, God, that Todd, that was so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to be, you know, uh, at my speaking engagements as well, as well as on this radio show, trying to be as optimistic as we can. But it's very, very difficult with the, when you've got an active, and this is the only way that I will put it, an active effort by this Biden administration to undermine and open the border. That's all there is to it. Yeah, that's that's important to note uh, as, a, as a big difference between this crisis and all other crises before it. it. This one, you have a White House that is actively fomenting it and encouraging it and making sure that it can happen. Uh, whereas all, even up past Democratic administrations, uh, you know, had this happen to them in spite of efforts to stop it. Even they, nobody wants this. Uh, that's the first time I've ever seen an administration want it. Wow. Well, buddy. I thank you for taking time just the same to chat with us and giving us this update 
nevertheless, tell the folks uh, about your book and tell them where they can find you. Yeah, uh, America's Covert Border War. Uh, that's a book about the threat of uh, terrorist infiltration over the border and what America has been doing about it uh, for 20 years. And uh, Benzman Todd on Twitter right now, and I've got an account on LinkedIn. And you can read all my stuff at the Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. You got it, buddy. Thank you very much. We've been speaking with our good friend Todd Benzman from the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd, be good. Till next time. Thank you. Bye. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, Ed Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got our good friend, uh, former commissioner, uh, Mark Morgan. Uh, he was commissioner of uh, ICE under the Trump administration. And uh, and uh, we, uh, excuse me, that was the, the uh, Customs and Border Protection under uh, the, the Biden administration, or uh, the Trump administration. Man, I'm getting... I'm, I'm terrible this morning. I just got off the phone talking to a uh, LULAC leader. And, uh, Mark, they seem to think that there is no controversy or crisis at the border. What's uh, what's your assessment from your latest visit down there? Look, any, anyone who uh, continues to, you know, what I say is uh, lie to the American people about the truth about what's going on at our southwest border, look, they, they, they're either being driven by their political or, or ideologic hubris um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they are doing it for a specific uh, hidden agenda, but, but they're just denying the truth and reality on the ground. Look, we're, we're, you're going to see uh, the, the, the June numbers being uh, excess of 170,000, you know, four months in a row. We haven't seen numbers like this in over two uh, and a half decades. If you look from month to month from this time of last year, that's a seven to 900% increase. Look, I, I could go on. The, 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 the most UACs we had in a single month, I could go on and on. Uh, if, if anyone who says not a crisis on the Southwest border is just denying the truth and reality what's going on. And look, I, I was just down there uh, with the border again uh, with, with the former President Trump and Governor Abbott. And you know, we, we it was a substantive um, um, uh, a meeting down there, a, a series of meetings actually that happened there. It, it wasn't like the Vice President Harris, uh, George, where really she was going down there to address you know negative political optics and really get some good photo ops. Uh, what, what I saw down there, what I participated in, was a meaningful trip to really talk about what can be done to address this crisis. Now, you know, one of the criticisms that continue that uh, that's that's beginning to to be raised by the left and by the Democrats is this whole issue of uh, states sending troopers, uh, state troopers down to help uh, protect the border. Yep. The amount of, of drugs that are getting in, never mind, you know, that they're catching, but that we're not catching. Talk to us about that, because, I mean, fentanyl is just everywhere. Yeah, George, so I, I think that, that what you just asked is really hitting the nail on the head. And this what's really important, is that this, when, when, when I talk about it, and when other experts and, and, and folks like yourself talk about the Southwest border, the crisis, we understand that this is not just about illegal immigration. When we talk about border security, securing our nation's borders, it's not just to address the crisis of illegal immigration. It's to address the vast, complex set of threats our nation faces from outside our border. And another thing that's critical uh, that, that Governor DeSantis really brought to light and these other governors now, these other states, you know, uh, uh, standing up to help border states is that what happens at our southwest border does not stay at our southwest border. When you when you, when you have policies that opens our borders up to one threat or one crisis, for right now with, with illegal immigration, you're, you're opening your borders up to all threat 
whether that's increased the cartel and smuggling's ability to uh, 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 push human trafficking, to push drugs porn in this country, to increase the number of, of gang members and criminal aliens that are able to sneak past our, our frontline defense. And guess what? It's not staying at the southwest border. The drugs, the gang members, the criminal aliens, human trafficking are impacting every state, city, and county in this country. And so I applaud states like South and North Dakota and, and uh, uh, Florida for sending resources to help Governor Abbott and the state of Texas. So we've got the issue of, of not only the illegal aliens just crossing, and heaven knows you know, what they're carrying as far as, uh, as, far as diseases, uh, because you know, all of a sudden the, the Biden administration is very worried about the new strain, but uh, I'm not sure how worried they are about folks bringing in the new strain yep. uh, into, into our, our country. Yeah, George, that's, that's another good point, right? I mean, this is another example where this administration puts America last and the rest of the world first. Look, we are still uh, not uh, 100% over COVID in this country. And look, other countries are far behind the United States with, with vaccination. And, and heck, just their, just their ability to be able to test for COVID. Right. But yet it's OK for these individuals from 140 different countries to make their way to take this dangerous trek to go through COVID hotspots illegally in our United States. And guess what? We're going to say, come on in, whether you have COVID or not. Right. If you enter if, if you enter our borders illegally right now, if you're an unaccompanied minor or your family and even some single adults, even if you come to the border and say, oh, by the way, I have COVID. I know I have COVID. I was I was tested. And here's my card that says I have COVID. Guess what? We're still letting them in. That's what's happening on the southwest border right now. No. And then there's also the issue of uh, of uh, the M- MS-13 gang members, uh, not to mention other felons that are being uh, caught who are re-entering uh, the United States, and 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 give me a clarification because my understanding is that is that uh, un, under the uh, ICE agreement before uh, they were you know sheriffs and local jurisdictions could hold these guys and t- and then turn them over to um, to ICE. I, is that still working or is that still uh, or, or are we uh, no. just letting them go now? We're letting them go, and that's a good point because a lot of the, our bandwidth, we talk about what's happening on the front end, you know, Customs, Border Protection, Border Patrol specifically. We don't talk enough about the back end and about the restrictions uh, that they've placed on ICE. It's unbelievable. It's unprecedented. Basically, you have to be a known or suspected terrorist or convicted of an aggravated felon for you to be a priority. So right now, what you just – no gang member that's here illegally for, say, burglary of a motor vehicle – and they're going to call ICE and say, hey, we have a known gang member here illegally. We just arrested for burglary vehicle. Guess what ICE is going to tell them? Sorry, not a priority. Go ahead and release the known gang member that just committed another crime that's here illegally. Go ahead and release them back into your uh, your community. Not not a priority. And, and George, the, 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 the other part that you mentioned, here's what's really important. So so the gotaways. Again, when you have 40 to 50% of your border resources pulled off the line to deal with the, the, the increased numbers of families and unaccompanied minors, increases the number of gotaways. This year, I'm being concerned with over 220,000 gotaways have made their way to every city and town in this in this country. Just over the July 4th weekend, in the RGD area alone, Border Patrol rep- uh, uh, apprehended several sex offenders, including one convicted for rape and gang members. Think about that. They've, this, this fiscal year, Border Patrol has arrested uh, almost 8,000 criminal aliens. Those are the ones they've arrested. With 220,000 gotaways, think about the number of criminals that are getting away, entering every city, t- uh, town, and state in this country right now. That's what this administration is trying to hide. They don't talk about. Wow, you know uh, they're defunding the police and then they're turning loose illegal aliens, <laughs> illegal alien it's, criminals. It, exactly. Uh, I, I'm not sure what what the strategy is on that. Jeez. Uh, yeah. Anything else you'd like to add, uh, Mark? Before we let you go. Yeah, just, just, just real quick is that look, at the end of the day, this administration has continued to, to look, and I, I don't. This does not make me happy to say, but I've been doing this for 35 years, serving our six administrations. I've never seen an administration blatantly lie to the American people. And I always say that an intentional omission of a material fact is the same thing as a lie. And this organization, they are professionals at doing just that. I, I encourage the, the, your listeners to educate themselves on websites like Heritage and Fair to educate themselves, get the facts, get the truth. And the last thing I will say is we can't wait to 2022 to fix this. Get to your state leaders, get to your state AGs, get your state governors, force and demand that they step up to protect their uh, your state because that will also protect this entire country. More states like South Dakota, North Dakota, and Florida need to step up and support Governor Abbott in Texas. 
Wow. Uh, thank you very, very much for those words because, you know, everybody wants to know what can we do, what can we do. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, the states are going to have to do for themselves what, what the federal government is not doing. That's exactly right. And the last thing I'll say I'll leave you with, George, is please, your, your, your listeners need to understand what happens at the border does not stay at the border. Criminal aliens, drugs, human trafficking. And the other thing, too, is when you have open border policies, George, guess who also suffers? The migrants themselves. This this year, Border Patrol has outpaced the number of rescues than any other uh, year previously. The number of dead migrants, yes, dead migrants that U.S. law enforcement are finding on a, on a, a weekly basis is, is unimaginable. The most inhumane thing that you could do for the migrants themselves is to have open border policy so that they turn their lives over to the disgusting, despicable cartels and human smugglers that don't care about them and will literally leave them to die on the banks of the river rather than get caught. That's what open border policies get, and we don't talk enough about that. You're right. We're encouraging. We're encouraging this this crisis, and uh, and and absolutely doing nothing to uh, to address the uh, the punishment of, of, of people that uh, take advantage of it. Ah, incredible. That's absolutely right. Yep. Incredible. We've been talking, folks, with uh, our good friend Mark Morgan. Uh, Mark, tell them where you can where they can follow you or, or uh, read more uh, about uh, uh, your writings and your 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 opinions. Yeah, so look, Heritage, uh, the Heritage Foundation, you can go to their website, um, FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform. You can go to their website as well. And um, really, within just a few minutes, you can really get educated and really learn some of the facts and truth respecting to what's going on in the Southwest border and how it impacts our entire nation. You got it. Once again, my friend, our good friend Mark Morgan, the uh, former Customs and Border Protection uh, Commissioner. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, 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 once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, and uh, we have a a new... uh, guest with us, Mr. Charlie Wilkinson, from CLEAT, the Combined Law Enforcement Associations of uh, Texas. And CLEAT is uh, literally kind of the uh, Austin uh, lobby, uh, or not lobby, but the law advocates for the um, police officers associations here in Texas. And we wanted to reach out to them because, uh, as we know here in San Antonio, uh, we recently uh, defeated the uh, Proposition B, which was a uh, roundabout attempt to defund the police. And uh, although that was defeated, there still is a uh, a, a tremendous atmosphere uh, in some areas uh, about, uh, well, an anti-police. I would call it an anti-police, anti-law enforcement uh, atmosphere. So uh, I wanted to get him on here and uh, chat with him a little bit about uh, what they see as far as legislation and ordinances um, that would uh, constrict or or limit or hurt the police departments uh, or the police officers specifically. Uh, thank you very much, Charlie, for being with us today. Um, what uh, Tell us, first of all, a little bit about CLEAT and then uh, what uh, you guys are seeing as far as the atmosphere of uh, of uh, anti-police legislation and ordinances across the state? Well, CLEAT was uh, the Combined Law Enforcement Associations of Texas was formed uh, in 1976. Uh, There were talks about forming it uh, for a couple of years and and actually was uh, formed in the city of San Antonio uh, as a walkout uh, from the labor union that, that folks belonged to back in the 70s and the officers uh, couldn't get an attorney to represent them and uh, and, and felt obliged to uh, get up in the middle of a convention uh, 45 years ago, I guess, and walk out. And they walked down to the uh, El Tropicano (laughs) Hotel and and had a little rump convention and started Cleet um, right there in San Antonio. So it has, we have uh, 26 thousand plus members that pay thirty dollars a month from their own pocket uh, to us we're their attorney we're their advocate and uh, we have a lot of different services
services that we we do for the, for the rank and file and for the local associations that we uh, represent. And it all began right there. And uh, the climate was was very different in the seventies, and you know, we've kind of seen the golden era of, uh, of law enforcement, where it was a it was it was people who had respect for the uh, for the agencies for the for the officers, for everybody uh, that, uh, you know, chose that profession. And uh, whatever issues that the public seemed to have with law enforcement, they seemed to work them out over time. And uh, it's a very different climate uh, than uh, today. So our, our members are, and the largest group we represent in, in Texas is San Antonio, and we have uh, members all across the state. And about a 100 local associations that we uh, are affiliated with us, and we do uh, a myriad of, of services uh, for those officers, but none less consequential than advocating for them in the state capitol, which is uh, a, a, a kind of the gemstone of Cleveland. And I've been proud to be a part of the organization for uh, coming up 28 years. Let me ask you about two particular issues. Um, the state legislature, and I think it's killed, it's dead at this point, but the le- state legislature was uh, considering a, uh, a uh, state bill that, in my opinion, would have hurt the police departments uh, or the police officers. Um, at the same time, at the federal level, there is a um, police reform bill, uh, which, in my opinion... Uh, will severely hurt the the police uh, officers' work uh, or effort to do their work. Uh, tell us first of all about the state one and what's happened to that. Well, there are so many; it would be difficult. Uh, the session, the regular session, ended, of course, and and uh, and and so uh, a lot of a lot of things. Uh, some reforms were uh, pushed through, and some of those, I think, officer groups. We're, we're actually in support of the, the very punitive, you know, angry, uh, more left-leaning uh, proposals uh, did did die and uh, and and did make it, and we're proud of that, and worked hard to try to make sure that that happened as well. But we, uh, the George Floyd Act, for example, uh, didn't pass; uh, died in committee, uh, and there were. were any number of anti-police bills filed. Some of them, thankfully, didn't uh, get a hearing. But uh, from the middle to the right, you could say that HB 1900, uh, kind of with Representative Craig Goldman uh, out of North Texas, uh, that was the anti-defund police department bill. That that thing uh, passed. And so uh, it said you will put back uh, your your funding back to uh, original uh, amounts all the way back to say 2019, and uh, it it made state law that you cannot uh, defund your uh, police departments or your law enforcement agencies. So I kind of put an exclamation point uh, after the whole concept in in Texas, and uh, was proud to be at that signing with. Uh, years. 
preventative uh, effects that, uh, that that a lot of, of folks were trying to get in. So I would say overall, the uh, the legislature has answered a question for now as do we support law enforcement and they say emphatically that uh, that they do uh, that you uh, that the crazy folks that get elected to a city council can't don't have authority to defund uh, the police departments and that the things they were screaming for and uh, really saying that you know that the police officers didn't didn't have a duty to intervene that that chokeholds were killing, murdering, uh, you know, citizens, all those things. None of them are true, but the, uh, I'd say, uh, moderate or, or conservative uh, people in both parties put that in the Code of Criminal Procedure and just basically told those folks to shut their mouth. So uh, it was a, it's been a good session. Once again, my friends, we want to thank our guest, Mr. Charlie Wilkinson, uh, Wilkinson, who is the um, uh, director, executive director of CLEAT, the Combined Law Enforcement Associations of Texas, uh, based in Austin. And uh, I really appreciate him coming on and uh, explaining to us how this session uh, panned out as far as the um, defund the police uh, movement that is out there. And uh, those of you folks who are um, in Austin, those of us who are in San Antonio that are watching this uh, movement continue to push for the defunding of police, my friends, uh, we've got to be very, very aware. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi, folks, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, 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 once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, uh, here at uh, the, the Texas Sheriff's Association uh, Convention, and we're with uh, Sheriff Doc Rigington from Throckmorton County, Texas. Now, Throckmorton County is uh, north of the border, almost uh, uh, equal to where Dallas, the Dallas area, would be. They're not a Borden County, but nevertheless, they are being impacted on by the border crisis. And I wanted to ask uh, Sheriff Wigington, uh, tell us a little bit about what uh, issues or what, what you're seeing uh, in your area with regards to the to the border crisis. Well, with us being uh, north of Abilene and uh, some major highways, 283, 183 running through us, what we're seeing a lot of is the, the in, increase of narcotics trafficking are coming up. And, and we're also not only getting just, uh, we're getting some gang members and stuff from the border, like some Tango Blast and that are, that are traveling and uh, transporting narcotics uh, we've seen an influx of just the major traffic course we do if we catch them the illegals we don't have anything to do with them because uh, the border patrols are not they're not putting on detainers unless they're terrorists or gang members so but what we've seen a lot is just the uh, the traffic has increased and the apprehensions are, are up and the narcotics is up and uh, and just one county the south of us and, uh, we you know the human smuggling, you know, they had you know, 17 the other day in, in one van, but we uh, we just have a hard time because it's a rural area, and there's not, for every one we catch, even if it's narcotics, there's probably a hundred to get through because we're just so spread out. So we just have a, a hard time with that. Uh, now, our county has declared a, a, an emergency, you know, because of the uh, influx, and that we're hoping to get some funds through the, uh, the, the state government to help us combat that with overtime and maybe hiring more officers and getting some more uh, deputies on the road so we can help combat this because this crisis just doesn't stay on the border. It keeps traveling north and it's going to go through Texas and throughout the whole United States. It's not just going to stay on the border the border counties and a lot of people don't seem to understand that, that um, when, when you have a million people come across 
in about a six-month time, well, let's say 40,000 of those are children. Well, that's 40,000 children that are going to be in the school systems that Texas doesn't have the money to educate. So it may impact the, the, the financial side of Texas. So you're looking at uh, not only the criminal element, but you're also looking at the influx of the you know educating the children, so that's going to put a strain on the, the education budget as well. And then when you have the magnet programs that are, are in Texas, where it be uh, the, the college tuition is paid to a state college and the, the medical benefits, well, that's also going to put a strain on the budget. So what this does is that with the increase, it's going to cause a financial strain as well as a criminal strain. And and not saying that all the people are criminals in the least bit, but if they cross the border illegally, that does technically make them a criminal because they've broken the law. But... And that's just, you know, you've got a financial strain, you've got a uh, uh, drug, you know, the drug influx, you've got gangs, you've got the cartels that are are coordinating this. And I, we were talking with uh, uh, Congressman Arrington, and I, what we, I would like to see is the federal government declare the cartels a terrorist organization, and that changes the rules of engagement. We're no longer treating them as criminals. We can actually go and combat them like we did in the 80s with Pablo Escobar. So let's get the change. And there's a whole lot more funding to combat terrorism than there is on the criminal side. And so let's try to get that done through the federal bill. That's going to be kind of hard to do, but it's, let's try to see if we can get that done. But, I mean, the, I think that the governor's making some steps to, to kind of help law enforcement in Texas. But, you know, it's just it's just a sad situation that we don't get any help from the federal side. Let me ask you this, because um, I was speaking to um, some folks from another rural county, and um, they're stretched to the limit. I mean, uh, how many deputies do you have, and how big of an area do you have to cover, and how uh, how hard is that? Okay, our county is 915 square miles, and I have myself and two deputies, and that's it. Wow, and so that makes it very difficult if, uh, if you've got to chase down somebody over here well, you've got to answer a call in some place. In some areas of our county, if we're in like the northwestern part of our county, and somebody calls for help in the southeast, it doesn't matter how fast we drive, it's an hour and 15 minutes to get there. We, and and the, where, where we're at is that the closest town to back us up is like 45 minutes. So we work a lot by ourselves and have to rely on uh, our ability to, to handle situations. I mean, ultimately, it puts us in a lot of dangerous situations. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Sheriff, I, I really take my hat off to you. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we let you go? Well, I'll just say that, you know, we, the state of Texas has had issues before. And the people of the state of Texas are great people. And as long as we, you know, work together and come to the table and try to get these uh, situations solved. You don't get anything solved without conversation. And so you have to have a willingness to, to work together. But we're going to, in law enforcement, we're going to keep doing our job. As long as it's uh, a violation of Texas law, we're going to be continue doing it because we took an oath not only to the county that we work for, the United States, and but also to the Lord above. And I'll be, I'm damn sure I'm not going to break that, that oath to the Lord. I thank you very, very much. Again, we've been speaking with Sheriff Doc uh, Wigington from Throckmorton County, uh, Texas. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. And we've got uh, another one of our uh, Texas sheriffs here, Sheriff uh, Edward Miller from Shackleford County, uh, Texas. And he, uh, Shackleford County, for those of you that don't know, it's a little north of Abilene, and so it's in the north part of uh, the state. And uh, I want to ask him about how uh, the border crisis is impacting on on his county. Believe it or not, as far north as we are in, in Texas, we're at the bottom of the panhandle for the most part. Uh, we have a human smuggler in our jail right now who is a Mexican national. Uh, as a result of a traffic stop, a uh, possible DWI, uh, checked it out. He had 19 humans in a Ford F-150 short bed pickup. Uh, tunnel cover was screwed and bolted down. They were just locked in the thing. So if it had been an accident, don't tell them how many people would have died in this process. Uh, they were Guatemala, Honduran, and Brazilian. Uh, we're a very rural, small county. I have four deputies and myself that patrol 916 square miles. Uh, so 
we're constantly watching these things and working with our federal partners. We're finding out that this is a, a consolidated cartel group that's moving these people, and they're moving them up and down US 180, uh, trying to stay off the major, major traveled highways like Interstate 20. Uh, because that's where all the law enforcement's at, the people who are watching. So they know it, the rural routes going to these metro, major metropolitan hubs. And it, it has a major impact on rural law enforcement, rural law enforcement officers and the communities. Now, uh, the situation with, with these uh, folks getting, uh, I mean, running uh, on these rural areas, uh, I mean, obviously, I guess they, they must know the, the, the routes. They're, they've got that kind of intelligence. Oh, yes, they do. They are very well-versed on what to say, when to say it, how to say it when they encounter law enforcement. Um, the immigrants that are, that are being smuggled, the humans that are being smuggled in there are very versed in what to say and, and how to interact with law enforcement. Uh, the language barriers there, uh, you know, we have Spanish-speaking officers in our jail who are having to try to figure out how to speak Portuguese. Uh, this quite humorous uh, in the process, but we're having to bring people into the to our jail, get them showers, clean them up, feed them, because they haven't eaten four or five days as they're being transported. The back of these vehicles have cans of cat food. Uh, there may be a bottle of water, may not be a bottle of water back there for all 19 of them to share. So, you know, it's very degrading for these people. It's very dangerous for these people. And who knows what's coming through? We have the criminal element. We have people trying to skirt the systems. And what about the COVID? Oh, COVID. People are not being tested. People are not vaccinated. People are infected. And when you infect a rural community with COVID, you can decimate the entire population of that area. The uh, the situation again with the, with your resources. How much money you're spending on, on on this? I mean, obviously, as a rural county, uh, if you're going to feed uh, 19 people that you're not prepared for, I mean, yeah, we have to reach out to our, our partners in the community, our local churches, uh, the local food bank, uh, in neighboring counties, to bring food into our jail to feed these people. Uh, you know, in transportation, when we find them on the side of the road, we have to reach out to the churches or the school district to borrow a vehicle to move people somewhere safe. And there's no place for them to stay once we get them there, besides jail. What do you think? Uh, what do you need? So, what do you think needs to happen, Sheriff? The border needs to be closed until we figure out how to deal with the influx of people that are coming in, and then open the gate, bring them in process them as needs to be processed, make sure they're healthy, and are not going to affect the communities in our state and in this nation, and that they are good, honest people who are just looking for a better life, not the criminal element, not the cartel that's coming trying to set up their drug networks and human smuggling networks and things like that. Sheriff, thank you very, very much for, for speaking to us. We've been speaking with Sheriff Edward Miller from Shackleford County, uh, Texas. Once again, George Rodriguez at the uh, Texas Sheriff's Association meeting, and we've got uh, Sheriff Roger Dietz from Hood County, which is Granbury, Texas, uh, from Hood County, Texas. And I want to ask him, uh, because he's, uh, again, north of the border, a good a good amount uh, of miles north of the border, how is the border crisis impacting on, on his county? Maybe not quite as much as it is down on the border, but it affects every county of the state of Texas and out into other states, too, in the country. We have more uh, trafficking cases than we ever had before. Um, so in a lot of different ways, drugs are coming not just in grams, but in pounds. So how large of a county, how, what's the population for Hood County? About 75,000. And um, are, are you stretched as far as your uh, as your budget goes with, because of the, because of the, all of the, all of the things that are going on in your county? Yes, because of all the things going on. I, every year when I ask for more people, we don't get it. And, yeah, we, we're stretched pretty thin. Now, uh, how, how large of a county, if there is a uh, human smuggling situation at one part, but you've got a regular call someplace else, how long does it take you to, to get there? Well, we do the best we can at focusing on the drugs. I have a street crimes unit that um, they've been focusing on a lot of stuff here lately. Otherwise, yeah, if it's when they're off or doing something else, then yeah, it takes a little bit of time to get to everybody. Has the has the topic of the border crisis been been a hot topic here for the at, at this conference? Yes, it's been talked about. I don't guess we've had a, tomorrow. We have all the classes, um, so it really hadn't been focused on today that much. A little bit, but yeah, it's for the last few years it's been talked about. 
now as sheriffs, I mean, we're, uh, in major communities and major urban areas like San Antonio and Houston, uh, the police departments in some cases have been told not to deal with with illegal immigration uh, and not to back the border patrol. Uh, what? Uh, how are the sheriffs looking at the situation? Well, by law, we can't go out and do what border patrol can do immigration can do, but you know, we focus on the, the criminal aspect of it. So that's where they come into my jail when they broke the laws of the great state of Texas. So we're going to assist them any way we can, but we can't actually make that arrest if that's the only thing that they're there for is um, illegal aliens. But you will make arrests. We'll do the best we can to work with other agencies. Thank you very much, Sheriff. Again, my friends, George Rodriguez here at the, the Sheriff's uh, uh, conference here in, in, in San Antonio, and we're uh, talking with, with Sheriff Jesse Ramos, who uh, is the sheriff of Lampasas County, Texas, which is central Texas. And uh, I wanted to ask him about how the border crisis is impacting on uh, on him. Sheriff, how is it impacting on it? Your budget, your manpower, crime, whatever. Well, here lately, probably within the last three weeks, we've seen a big influx of national, uh, of, of uh, Mexican nationals in the county. They seem to be passing through. We certainly see them with luggage or Walmart bags with clothes in it, uh, but we don't know where they're going, but we know they're not from there. Now, uh, as far as right now, we haven't had any impact as far as burglaries or anything like that, but we are seeing a large influx of Mexico nationals to where they may be homeless before it's all said and done. And we just, a small rural county like Lampasas County, we just do not have the resources to provide for the homeless. And it really will become a humanitarian crisis for us, and we don't want that. We, we, we don't want... Um, we don't want to see people suffer like that. So, yes, with the borders open the way they are, it is creating an influx there. Now, there again, we have not seen any kind of criminal activity. Uh, as a retired Texas Ranger, I was working crimes that were involved in Mexican nationals that were doing murderous, heinous crimes. And I've been involved in a lot of those investigations, but I have not seen that in my county as of today. What about the issue of uh, infection of uh, COVID? That is really a big concern because right now, La Paz's County in Central Texas, we probably have a total of seven cases. We, have, we actually dropped it down to one or zero at one time, but we've had a spike just last week. I think we were up to 15. And I think we had another seven that was just added. So we do see a spike coming. Wow. Sheriff, thank you very much for talking to us. 